There we go. So we're back for another episode of Friday Night Counterattack. And um, it's the last one before we have a little break and we put a little mini series in for our little Ramadan because we're all taking a break from uh, the podcast. And we've got a nice little episode today. It's, it's a short and sweet one. And it's something that Salim and I have been looking forward to recently because we've gone through uh, football scouts, we've gone through football coaches, we've gone through football agents. And I wanted a little perspective of um, a sports photographer and a football photographer. So before I introduce our little guest, I'm just going to go through his his CV because I've had a few complaints recently about the fact that when I introduce people, I don't introduce them properly. So I'm just going to get that out of the way. So um, just a few of the events that is covered. It's, co- it's covered the Olympic Games, the Rugby World Cup, the Commonwealth Games, the Six Nations, Wimbledon, um, the Paralympics, Australian Open, countless Champions League games, countless international games, Premier League games, and he's the official England photographer over the last 15 years, covering three Ashes tours, the World Cup in 2019, obviously, and numerous tours around the world. So our guest today is Mr. Gareth Copley-Jones. So uh, Copley-Jones, nah, I, got, I got that wrong. Gareth Copley-Jones, but no, Gareth Copley-Jones, thank you very much for uh, joining our conversation today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you for having me. Yes, no, very good. No, I'm glad to hear that. And Salim, how are you today? Bank holiday Monday. Yeah, not bad. I've had sort of the last week off, so I'm back to work tomorrow. So, yeah, <laughs> not really. No, not that's, really like, that's like with me as well. I'm just one of those guys that's been on furlough and furlough ends on the 12th, but I'm back to like training tomorrow for work. So that'll be quite nice to go for. But I thought it's, a, it's our last conversation before we have our little break and the little hiatus for Ramadan. And I thought I'd get someone who... I've been following for a great number of years recently, mostly on Instagram, to be fair, who's the sports photographer. And like I said, is a photographer for the England cricket team. But um, just to start us off with, I just wanted to ask uh, Mr. Copley-Jones how it is being a sports photographer on the football side of things. So, Gareth, you mentioned to us previously that you're a Huddersfield Town supporter. Was that correct? I am a Huddersfield Town supporter, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we're doing all right. We're making this big push for 18th as normal. After his brief stint in the Premier League, but yeah, um, but yeah, no, I've, I've followed us field all my life, really. The part of Yorkshire I'm from, you probably should be a Leeds United fan, but I think the little town we were in, we sort of sort of part of the plucky underdogs, so we all tended to veer towards Huddersfield. What little town in in West Yorkshire did you used to live in? Is it Batley well, or Dewsbury? It, yeah, it's in between Wakefield and Dewsbury called Osset. So, oh, yeah. yeah, so it's just around the corner, really, from from the, um, well, at Leeds Road, as it was then. But, yeah, it's McAlpine or Gal Farm or John Smith's or whatever it's called at the moment. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. We've had quite a lot of uh, conversations with people from Yorkshire and from West Yorkshire specifically, so it's just nice to have another one coming in. But um, I just want to say, like, again, being a sports photographer, we'll, we'll ask you some basic questions and some quite open questions as well so I thought I just wanted to get things started with how did you kind of get interested in sports photography when you first came into the industry well I started like but sports photography is quite a, a very specific sort of role yeah um so I started on a, a general photography course didn't know where you were going in life you know did that at college and you were sort of encouraged to do work placement at different places so I went to 
I, I did um, a, a lab laboratory, you know, like when you used to get your print, pictures printed back in the day. Oh, yeah. Done, done. So I did a week there. I did a week at um, a studio photographers. And then I also went to a, um, a sports photography agency and a newspaper. And, yeah, I just got sent to a match and I just got the bug of it, really. Um and I thought, oh, yeah, sport. I didn't really think through the whole working my entire weekends and evenings for the next 20 years <laughs> at the time. But I thought, yeah, this is pretty cool. So, yeah. So I was very lucky when I started because it was back in the late 90s when digital cameras were just appearing on the scene. But they were very, very expensive. So most people used film and they needed people to develop films. Um, so I, I sort of got that job. I used to go to Ellen Road and Valley Parade with my agency and then I'd get to photograph 10 minutes and then I'd have to run around and collect all the other photographers' films and rush back and develop them all. Uh, and you had to have them developed and the negative dry for half time for the photographer to come in and say, right, that's the picture, send that one. Um, yeah, so in a way it was hard work back then, but you're quite lucky of the experience because... Now, the camera does everything for you. So. Yeah, with all this whole shutter speeds and everything, you can just take multiple pictures at the same time. And um, like I said previously, I've followed you for a number of years. And there's one specific picture you took um, a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, of Paul Pogba, when he was celebrating at Old Trafford as well. He had his arms folded like this. And I thought that was a quality picture as well. But it's just what I wanted to know for my next question was, how do you how do you like find the right place in the stadium to kind of take the picture for a football game? Like, do you get allocated a space, or how do you know you're going to be in the right place at the right time for the photograph? Well, it's changed a lot with COVID because now you do get allocated a space because everyone needs to be spaced out. So, say for instance, you go to Aston Villa and there's eight positions and they're literally painted on the ground behind the goals and down the side. And it says, right, you're box number eight today. And you sit in box number eight. Um, and then, you, yeah, you're just hoping it goes your way. But back when things were more normal, you used to have to try and make a bit of a judgment call on where to sit. You know, so, oh, God, right, the, it's, you know, Leeds versus Liverpool today. Right, well, Liverpool should win this. I'll sit in front of the Liverpool away fans because they score in that, you know, when they're attacking towards their away fans. Yeah. I've yeah, probably yeah. got more chance of getting a celebration picture. Um, so there was always a big queue outside the grounds that the photographers predominantly want to sit in that corner. Obviously, it's limited positions. So everyone wants to be first to sit there. But you, you genuinely don't know where it's going to happen. I quite like getting into a game and seeing where everybody else sits mm. and then think, oh, well, I'll take a chance and I'll sit the other side of the goal or I'll sit over there because there's nobody there and hoping it happens because if it does happen and you're the only one there, you're the only one that's got it as well. So. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you, if you knew who was going to win or you knew what was going to happen, you'd be at the bookies, not you know sitting in the rain <laughs> at Ewood Park. So... No, I can understand that completely. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things that I was looking forward to kind of hearing from because there's so many places in the normal ground and Salim will know completely as well the fact that you could literally sit anywhere on the ground, but it's just about getting that perfect picture. And um, Salim and I are used to going to grounds and taking pictures from stands, aren't we, Salim? And we're just yeah. like, oh yeah, this looks quite cool from our picture. But 
Um, obviously, it's got to be the right place, the right time, and the right moment as well. But Salim, um, do you have anything you wanted to really add to that yourself? Really, uh, I was going to say, it, sorry, I was going to say, it is quite interesting actually that you're saying, you know, it depends where you're sat, you know, makes a big difference because. I've been to like, obviously I'm a Villa fan, so I've been to Villa Park plenty of times and um, I've got my season ticket seat. But whenever I sit somewhere else, like, you know, behind the goals or in a different stand, the sort of like perspective of a photo is completely different. Well, yes, you, know, you can be sat a couple of yards from a photographer next to you and literally is matter of completely, yeah, it's completely different. But I was going to ask you actually, what was, what would you think your sort of, favorite ground to visit i'd say i don't know the ground the grounds are like at the moment are completely different because they're obviously empty and some grounds we get a lot of freedom at um and some grounds you don't get that much freedom um i, I always used to like going to hull in a strange sort of way um they were one of the first grounds to get like super duper floodlights so all your pictures suddenly look like they've been taken by a new camera when you turned up because it was so bright. Got the perfect um, lighting right there as well on the camera. That must have been quality. Like saves editing and anything like that as well. Oh, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, we, I prefer the older grounds. The, you know, the grounds with a bit of character. Goodison's, when good when there's a good game at Goodison, that's pretty special. Um, you know, yeah, because you went to the... Um, Tottenham versus Everton game recently as well in the FA Cup, the 5-4. And I remember you took a picture of like uh, Son scoring as well. And he was celebrating on that side where you were sitting as well. And I thought that was quite nice to see because he scored and Bernard scored and they both had knee slide celebrations, if I remember correctly as well. The DJ, and this is the strange thing about COVID. You, you sort of back in, it's one of these new things that's arrived. Like it's terrible what's going on and the, the atmosphere is really weird. But What's happened now is when players celebrate, they tend to look for the photographers because, well, they're the only people in the grounds other than the coaching staff. <laughs> and so Son and I think it was Bernard that scored for Everton, they do this massive knee slide and then they look straight down your lens. Like you would never get that normally um, at a match. And it's the most bizarre looking picture because I'm sure when the fans come back in, they're all going to be looking at the you know, the 40,000 up in the gods, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's strange. Yeah, because like on the weekend, if you, you may have seen uh, Joe Linton when he scored, he went straight to the video recording camera and he went straight to Sky Sports when he was just like kissing the camera and things like that. And um, that's just something that obviously they're used, uh, football players are used to actually uh, responding to fans, like when they're cheering or when they're booing and things like that. And obviously, like we said, we've been part of it when we're booing and cheering and they'll run into the crowd, but it's just they need a, a bit of, not, not really love, but a bit of attention, really, I'd say, after scoring a goal, besides their teammates. So that, I think that's probably why they're going to uh, cameramen, video cameramen. I thought that'd be quite nice to, um, like you said, it, it works well for you because it's, it's the perfect picture, Gareth. And it's, it's nice for us as well because it looks quite good as like a thumbnail yeah, or something. It's a connection, isn't it? You know, I, I recently did some work for Manchester City where you photographed their game. And the idea is that all your pictures go to Manchester City and and then the, the players have access to those pictures for their social media straight after the match. Yeah. You know, so then it's that connection between the fans and the players. Um, they all want a picture of themselves playing in the game so then they can tweet it or 
Instagram yeah. instead. On we go, another win under his belt, fantastic. Or if they've lost, I guess they well, Manchester City don't lose, but you know, but other teams yeah. they just ignore it. But, yeah, it's, it's like we were saying as well, the fact that they won it immediately and a lot of people nowadays will like uh, search the hashtag for like hashtag Kevin De Bruyne and they look for all of his recent pictures and they can use it on like their YouTube. They could use it to share with their friends and stuff and make memes and whatever. And like, obviously you're a big part of that. The fact you're, you're probably going to be um, watching the England cricket team in the summer, but a lot of uh, photographers coming forward with the Champions League this week and the Premier League coming up as well on their Instagram accounts. So they'll be posting it and then a lot of people just be like, like liking it. Obviously, that's what they do on Instagram. But it's just like with the players themselves, they'll be using it themselves and everyone will be looking at a picture like, wow, he scored a really good goal or he's celebrated in a different way as well. But like I just said, it's just nice to see and hear from that personally. Um, next question I've got is, what would be your top five events that you visited? I know I've mentioned previously where you've kind of um, shot and you've, you've been a photographer. What would you be your top five kind of places to have visited as a photographer as in venues or events yeah events like the olympics or the rugby world cup or premier league games that kind of thing like i did do the rugby world cup when england won but i i'm not a massive fan of rugby union at all and there's probably sixty thousand other english people that love to be in my shoes but i really didn't give two roots about it um but yeah, that's that's probably a massive event. Like um, when when Huddersfield won at Wembley to get into the um, in the Premier League, that was pretty special. Um, it's not an event I would never normally go down to, to Wembley for the playoff final, but I asked if I could go, and they let me go the office. So that was pretty special. Um, recently, with the cricket. Um, Winning the World Cup, that was probably the biggest, the biggest event I've ever covered. Um, that was that was brilliant. And likewise with Headingley as well. They were both equally uh, as nerve-wracking. Um, but my favourite event I've ever covered is the Tour de France when it came to Yorkshire. When was that? Do you remember what year that was? 2014, it was. Yeah, it was. But it was it was so bizarre because it, it was so unprecedented crowds there and it was so packed with people. And you people stood on a roadside for six, seven hours waiting for these bikes to go past. And the, the atmosphere was building and building and building. And then these bikes went past in seconds. And then a load of Yorkshiremen turned around and went, that was brilliant. <laughs> I'm thinking you've, that you've waited six, seven hours for that, but for them few seconds, it was amazing. That sport as well. It's, it's like watching a hundred meters uh, sprint as well. You're waiting all day. You're watching all of the pre-events before it comes up, and then it's just gone in ten seconds. I remember mm. going to the Paralympics and seeing that as well. Like uh, Oscar Pistorius before the whole situation occurred, Salim before it, before the whole yeah. um, thing in Johannesburg. But he was there. He's running. Uh, he was. It was the heats. I think we watched, but it was just brilliant because you're waiting for ten seconds of um, the top athletes of that situ- of that heat to kind of go through and kind of win. And Oscar Pistorius did that as well, which was brilliant. And well, brilliant until obviously what happened afterwards, which happened. But that was all. That was all fun as well. Um, what other questions have I got? 
I just wanted to know personally as well, like we like we talk about our mental health on Friday Night Counter Attack and we discuss it openly as well. I just wanted to know, do you kind of suffer uh, like any, any like not doubt, but the fact that like, with your job, you have to travel across the world. You have to go on these numerous tours of England as well abroad. And um, how has it kind of been for you mentally since the whole pandemic's kind of hit? Like obviously you're still working, which is great to see. You're kind of learning a bit more about, um, well, you're kind of learning a bit more about shooting in certain places in in the stadium which is brilliant but have you kind of had to deal with anything in terms of oh no I'm um, 15 years into the game now I kind of want to see what else I can do in sports photography or is this like for me like for me this is a pinnacle this is something that I would love to have done and I would have loved to have got into really sports photography but have you had any kind of doubts about that at all or is that kind of you're quite happy to carry on with it? No I'm quite happy to carry on like yeah yeah, like completely, it's like anybody, and you know, we're all a bit unsure about the future and fans coming back as much as everyone wants things to return to normal. You're also thinking to yourself, do I really want to be in a ground with twenty thousand people? Is that is that safe? You know, you don't know. But I think on terms of mental health and this and being a sports photographer. It's it's a, it's a funny job because it is so competitive. You you know you 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 are there basically you know, like it's, it's a small world sports and you're all sat next to all your mates, but you're all competing to get that picture. And if you don't get that picture, ultimately it's like you failed. So it's it's a hard job. You know, like you just have to think to yourself, oh, the pictures I've sent, I'm happy with. But my mate, two metres away, whatever, he's, he's clicked his button like a split second quicker than me. And he's got that goal picture better than me. And, you know, you drive home in the car and you go, oh, you know, why didn't I just do that? Why didn't I do that? But you've done everything right. You know, but sometimes it just doesn't happen for you. But then equally, you know, like I was in the... Perfect spot when Ben Stokes scored them winning runs at heading late, and he's hit the ball straight at me. I was winning the, I was winning one of those spots where there wasn't that many people, and he celebrated straight at me. And I thought, wow, that was amazing. And I got the picture, and not many other people did get the picture. And you're on a high then, so it's it's a difficult job because there is so many highs and there's so many lows. Um, I wouldn't have known that personally sorry to interrupt I wouldn't have known that personally but the fact that it's literally like a a matter of like metres or inches besides you sitting somewhere and someone else sitting somewhere and getting that amazing picture because that Ben Stokes picture of him celebrating against Australia was on every single newspaper every single social media outlet the next day and on the same day and everything and it was crazy and um, that was you that took it which was amazing as well but I had no idea it was like literally like in football and like in sport um, a matter of small margins, basically. The fact that it's one of those things that you could be sitting in the right place or the wrong place, and you, you wouldn't know until you get to the ground in any sport as well, which is crazy. But um, no, because no, you, you turn up at football games, and it could be a really big football game, and you've got there like five, six hours early, got your spot, done all the right things, you know, you fought through the match while well, he's playing, he's playing off. I'll sit here first half and I'll go here second half. You get your internet cable, you know, everything is all set up perfectly. And then there's 
two goals at the other end and nothing ever happens at your end. And you think, well, and it's hard. It's, it's hard sometimes, but, but then you, it, but then you will get the good days as well. So it's, um, yeah. And then, yeah. So nice. You, you've got to have a good strength of mind, I suppose, to do the job. Just, just accept that there will be disappointments and there will be, um, you know, good days as well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad you explained it like that as well. Sorry, Sam, did you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted a quick question, really. I was going to say, obviously, I've not been to sort of a football game since Villa lost to Leicester, which was sort of the last Premier League game that had fans. But seeing as you have been going to games, what's what's it been like, you know, being part of, an empty crowd almost it's the the premier league games are a lot stranger than the than the the other i've done all the, the lower league stuff <laughs> championship and league and league too but the premier league games is obviously the, there's a limit on how many people that can let into the stadium of about 300 and something and everybody has to be accounted for so they'll count the players they'll count the coaching staff and the photographers and there's a lot of TV people there. There's a yeah. lot of media there at um, these games. The stewards. Yeah. So when you when you do a Premier League game, there is no noise whatsoever, apart from yeah. you can hear the manager or the coaching staff or the players shouting at one another. There is yeah. no noise coming from anywhere else in the stadium because everybody else is just working. Yeah. Now, when you do the lower league games... They've obviously got the same numbers, but they can obviously yeah. get a few well, directors in and things like that, or yeah. non-playing staff into yeah. the games, and they cheer a little bit. So it's like you've got a little bit of atmosphere at those games. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's it, the, it's the deathly silence. Like we saw, we use the crowd a lot as sports photographers, especially for off the ball incidents. Like we miss, I don't know, but I, I've missed a couple. I've missed the photographers that cover a lot more um, games than me, they've probably missed more, but sending offs and off the ball incidents, you just don't see, because we're looking through a, a lens that's quite narrow and you, you basically, you're following the ball around because mo- majority of the accident happens next to the ball. But if it's off the ball, sometimes you just genuinely just don't know it's happened. Mm. Um, is it because you're, you, like fixed, you're, you're like fixated through the lens, basically, just like that? And then you don't know what you're looking at with the other eye or you're missing it with the other eye. Is that kind of your view for the whole 90 minutes or so? Yeah, Literally yeah you sort of tunneled in, you sort of can keep an eye out of your other eye or you or you take the camera away from your face. You know, when it's, but you... you you're sort of reliant on the crowd going, Why? and then you realise whatever they're cheering is not what you're looking at, and you go, oh, what's going on? But that doesn't happen, you know, so it's it's difficult, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's very strange, um, especially the really, really big games, because you, you have no... All the games are the same. The... the Mm. You might you might detect it a little bit with the players and the intensity of the match, but it's not that noticeable, and it is yeah. very very quiet. No, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. I must sorry, like it must be kind of like weird just hearing like you know players just swearing at each other and stuff. Then as opposed to like you know having a crowd sort of cheering goals and stuff. 
It is. It's weird. Yeah. Um, like the language of the players is not. It's, it's industrial. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the difference as well between the Premier League, where there is there's a lot of sh- shouting and and what goes on, but um, the lower league, I think they're a little bit more subtle. It's almost like cricket sledging. Mm. The, mm. Rather than just calling them an effing so and so or something like that, they've, they've got a genuine line. They go, <laughs> um, and it does make you chuckle some of the banter in the you know in the league one and the championship and. Yeah, but yeah, the Premier League is just a lot of shouting, and uh, yeah, the, the shouting at the linesman and the referee is quite amazing, really. Not that, not that they're like the, they're abusive, but I didn't realize how much talking went on between the two, mm. especially the linesman. They're forever shouting at the linesman. What was that? What was this? What was that? Yeah, especially with the whole VAR thing, and with linesman being able to hear it, though, you'd think that. Um, they'd be more responsive. But I think that's probably the players just trying to get into the linesman's mind and the referee's mind as well. And we've had a referee on previously when they're trying to explain that the players are always trying to get into the referee's head in terms of influencing them in that way by shouting at them. But it's just how it would really work, really. But um, from going from, like, no fans in the Premier League to kind of the games you've covered in the Champions League, I just wanted to finish off with that because I know Salah has to go in a bit. Um, but I just wanted to know... Uh, what kind of Champions League games have you covered previously and like what kind of locations have you kind of had to cover and what was that experience for you like as well? I know that you're a Huddersfield fan and I know that you've been to all of these amazing uh, events and locations, but for the Champions League, how would, how did you find that personally for yourself? Yeah, um, I haven't covered Champions League games in a while because since I got the England sort of football, uh, England cricket gig, I sort of... You know, there's a, there's a lot of people that work in our company and mm. like, they share it around and we've got, you know, full-time football photographers. But when I did first start out, um, I covered a lot of football and a lot of Champions League games. And I covered a lot of Leeds United when Leeds United had that one season in the Champions League. Yeah, 2001, 2002, if I remember correctly, when they got to the yeah. semi-final as well. They did, and I, I was at that semi-final. I was, I did most of the games at Ellen Road. Um, so that the beat AC Milan in the rain. That was, that was quite an intimidating atmosphere. Mm. Um, but then they played um, Valencia in the semi-final at the Mestalla. Oh wow! Um, and that that's an amazing stadium. They've got really like steep banked um, stands. So. Um, that was quite impressive because I was only like 20 or something. Um, yeah, that was pretty impressive. I, I did a lot of Liverpool's games when they won in 2005. I didn't do the final. Did you do uh, the Olympiacos one where Gerard yes, scored that amazing goal? Yeah. yeah. Did you get yeah. that picture of Gerard when he when he connected it with his boot? Was that was that yourself? Um, no, I think I was. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Because he just went, he just went veering off into the stands as well. It's just like with his arms out and everything. And that, when we were watching it on TV, the commentator was just screaming Gerard the whole way around. Oh, you beauty! I'm not going to do the impression, but it's just the fact it's like Gerard. Oh, you beauty! What a hit, son! What a hit! That's what the commentators were saying. Yeah. So like, for you, you were just there, like looking through your lens and going through. That must have been like incredible because you were on the other end, like you said, near the away fans. Was it? Yeah, I think it must have been. I don't, I don't remember being at the right end. Mm. Um, but no, it, it did literally shake the entire stadium shock. Um, yeah, a, yeah, a few of the, the away games. Um, 
I did um, Germany. Germany when they lost to England five one. Yeah, I remember seeing that picture of your, of that as well on yeah. your your little page as well. The one I was doing my little my research, the five one Owen and um, Owen and Heskey was celebrating. Gerald with his buzz cut as well. That must have been yeah. quite fun as well. And that old Munich Stadium as well. I forgot the name of the stadium, but it, it's no longer there anymore. But I think it, I think it was just called like the Olympic Stadium. But it was it was it. That was it. Yeah, the Olympic Stadium in Munich, which was yeah. it. Um, but that, yeah, that was. Um, that was bizarre because that's just been in the news recently because that was the last game before they lost against Macedonia last week that they'd lost. Yeah. They but yeah, yeah. That, the, the, there's some, yeah, really impressive um, atmospheres at the Champions League games and, you, you know, the Europa Cup. I, I tend to forget which were which. You know, I remember being a game between... Um, Celtic and Liverpool or Liverpool and Celtic and, yep. the, and Celtic beat them but I thought that was a Champions League game it was a Europa Cup game so. uh, okay. um, no that makes complete sense as well um, but yeah I just wanted to say um, before we end I just want to say thank you very much for this nice little conversation it's a big change of pace Salim if you have any questions you can go ahead and ask uh, before we wrap it up Oh, no, nothing really. I'm just going to say that you're, you're quite near me because I'm in Batley. So, <laughs> ah. all is just uh, sort of nearby, to be honest. You can take pictures of Salem's football team, his Sunday league team, into Batley and get a professional sports photographer down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my photos are normally a guy on the side with his iPhone, and then I normally upload that to my Instagram with the same message we go again next week. Or... <laughs> whatever it is. Like everybody does it, don't they? They all want the picture. Yeah. They all want to put it on Instagram afterwards. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same, to be honest. Even if we lose 6 0, I'm still wanting the picture. <laughs> we, could, we could get you at our five aside uh, conversation back in Birmingham when we play eventually, uh, when we finish Ramadan, we finish Vasa. But that could be something we could we could get you down for the day and take some like professional looking pictures and we can get all hyped up. Oh, we lost two of the three games today in the hour. But. Um, <laughs> It, it, we'll see what happens but again like I said um, um, Sam's going to go but we'll wrap it up there because it's just a nice change of conversation just have a proper honest conversation about sports photography with yourself uh, Mr Copley Jones but like I said um, it was really nice to speak to you um, to the to get you on the show in the first place it was really nice to hear from you the good bits and the bad bits of sports photography and the fact that, like I said, I've, I've, I've followed you since you've been the England photographer for the cricket team. And like I said, I'm a big cricket fan. So it must have been amazing to kind of meet them all and um, kind of see these crickets and superstars. But the way you've come across, you've kind of just been like, oh, yeah, they're just, they're just other people. They're just athletes. I know who they are, which is fine. But that's kind of how I see it. You probably see it in a different way, personally. No, they, they, are, they are just normal people. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you Cristiano Ronaldo's and uh, you know I, I've, I've been lucky to meet a lot of famous sports people but they are just normal people and I think that I think that's the thing you, they have a lot of people that go around saying yes 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 mm. but I think sometimes when they just bump into a normal person I think they appreciate it um, but no th- thank you I, it, I hope I didn't sound at any point that I moaned about my job but because I think it is a fantastic job and uh, you know, if anyone wants to get into it, I fully recommend it. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I'd happily get back into sports photography. I like my photography, as Salem knows. I've got my own little YouTube page where I do my little video recordings when I go on holiday, my GoPro, and 
um, it's just about learning and trying to get the best out of it, really. But um, like I said, if, if if you know, if any uh, England cricket players ever want to come on to our show, by all means, they know where they are. Um, if we, I know how to get in touch with you now anyway. So if Salim needs a photographer into Batley, that could be something we could get for a Sunday league game. But uh, it's just like I said, just wanted a nice conversation on our bank holiday Monday before we go for a little break, a little hiatus from our little podcast. But Thank you, Gareth. Thank you, Simon, for joining the conversation today. Thanks for taking time out of your bank holiday, really, to have a conversation. It means a lot. Um, we'll see you all very soon. Uh, Gareth, thank you very much for your time. Salim, see you later, everyone. No worries. Uh, thank you. No worries. Goodbye, everyone. See you later. Bye.